this is John, your host from Dairyland Frights, the paranormal podcast every, that covers everything spooky, creepy, and mysterious in the Midwest. And I am super pumped because I have my special guest, Kedra from Perplex, Perplexity Mystery Podcast. Welcome, Kedra. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, John. Uh, it's we're gonna have a ton of fun. So, before we get into the spooky stuff, uh, yeah. let's let's tell, talk a little bit about yourself. What interests you in the paranormal? And you know, I know you do some true crime and some other things. Uh, and then if you could talk a little bit about your podcast to my spooky friends, so they can uh, you know check it out. Absolutely, yeah. So my name is Kedra. I am a little bit new to podcasting. It'll be it'll be a year in December. And what got me into the paranormal and supernatural, I think a lot of it was my childhood because I grew up in a very, very religious household. Um, Mm. My dad was a pastor for most of my life. And Mm. uh, I grew up like literally from a young age, I was taught that demons were real, heaven and hell were real, God, Jesus, Mm. all of that. Um, And my parents would have what seemed to be like spiritual attacks sometimes in the house. Mm. I think because we were such strong Christians, you know, then you're a little bit more prone to things like that. Yeah. So my beliefs are different now as an adult. And I think that's part Mm. of what got me into like looking into this more because I would have experiences as a kid that I couldn't really explain. Mm. And I didn't know, like at the time I thought it was, demons the devil what have you and then as i got older now i'm like i don't know i don't know Mm -hmm. if it was in my mind because of my childhood i don't know if it really was a demon or a ghost so -hmm. it's interesting like i believed in demons and stuff like that as a kid but i didn't believe in Mm -hmm. ghosts because that's not really in my the religion i had at the time um yeah so where i'm at now is like i just i want to learn more I'm a very open-minded person. I'm, I like to think Love of myself it. as like mind wide open, ask all the questions, consider all the possibilities. And so I wanted to learn more and do it in this podcast. So that's what I did. So I host Perplexity Mystery Podcast and uh, it's been great so far. And yeah, like you said, I cover true crime as well. Uh, usually like unsolved, mysterious types of true crime cases because I find those to be interesting too. Very perplexing. Nice. Uh, and I will say, I love your opening. Uh, I don't know who did the opening for you. Uh, who did that? That is awesome. <laughs> so that is my dad. Um, your dad. My dad. Yeah. So that was his idea. My dad. Uh, I could talk about my dad forever, but my dad does voiceover professionally. Uh-huh. He was the voice of Barney the dinosaur, uh-huh. and the voice of Chuck E. Cheese and did a lot of voiceover work for like Dragon Ball Z and stuff like that. Um, You can IMDB him. His name's Duncan Brannon. So he was like, let me do some intros for you. And for October, I wanted some creepy mwahahahahas. So he did that. And it's been great. Way to go, dad. I applaud your dad. (laughs) Yeah, dad of the year. (laughs) And he listens to the podcast. He's a a great supporter. So lots of fun. Way to go, dad. Yeah. Love it. Um, and I can't, uh, every guest I have on here has amazing podcasts. Uh, and Kedra is no different. It is amazing to listen to. She does a great job. She really covers. I just listened to your last one about the Hawaii, not murders. Why am I drawing a blank here? What was your last one about Hawaii? Oh, Hawaii House of Horrors. The Thank Frogger. You. Correct. Yeah. I love that one. I Thank love you. that one. That story is crazy. There's a lot more to it, too. There's so much more to it that I found on YouTube because the woman that Mm. experienced it, Brittany, has a YouTube channel. And there are a lot of things that she talks about that I did not Mm -hmm. talk about in the episode. So you can learn even more going down her YouTube channel. I think it's called Brittany. It is a crazy story. So the other thing is, um, can you share uh, a spooky personal or favorite story it can be funny it can be really spooky uh if you could share one i always love to hear that from my guests 
Yeah, just like an experience I've had or something. Yes, experience, you know, anything. Absolutely. Oh, I have so many, actually. Um, they're mostly That's from my childhood. Says. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, it is, right? Yeah. Let's see. There's There's one that I really like telling that involves my sister primarily, um, but I witnessed all of it. And I really like this story. I've actually told it on the podcast before, so you may have heard it. But I like this story because I have no explanation for it. And it's not like a Mm. typical ghosty story. It's just very interesting. Mm. So um, my sister was over at our next door neighbor's house one day, like the house that sits right in front of our old house. So, you know, you'd walk out the front door, see them right there, see the front yard. And that's important to the story. So she was on a, a rope swing just playing, you know, with the kids. You remember those dangerous mm-hmm. rope swings that should oh, be yeah. outlawed now? <laughs> yes, they should be. They're so dangerous. Yeah, I know. It's a string of death. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> rope of death. So my neighbor, uh, Chris, was swinging yeah. her and, like, kind of, like, twisting mm-hmm. the rope, like, spinning her around. Ooh, and the okay. rope just kept twisting tighter and tighter and tighter. Oh, no. And it got caught around her hair. And I didn't see all of this at the time because I was in Mm. my backyard, Mm. but Mm -hmm. they're in the front yard playing, doing all this. My parents have friends over in the house for like some kind of church event. Okay. And I'm in the backyard and I hear this like snapping sound and a blood curdling scream. Ooh. And the scream sounded like not my sister at all. It sounded like an older woman. Um, Uh And it freaked me out. It was clearly a very alarming scream. So I sprinted to the fence and I climb up the fence and I'm looking over to the front yard of my neighbor's house where the sound came from. And all I see is the back of my sister's head Mm. and her body hanging three, four feet up from a rope. And the rope appears to be around her neck. Oh. So... I go into full panic mode. I think I was maybe like 13, 14 when this happened. And my sister was four years younger than me. So nine, 10. Mm -hmm. So I run around, run through the house really quickly so I can tell my parents. Carly says outside, this is happening, blah, blah, blah. We got to go. And then like within less than a minute, we're all across the street in front of my sister to help her. Mm -hmm. My neighbor, Chris, is nowhere to be found. (laughs) I think he ran off and freaked out. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Carly just said he ran inside to get some scissors or something to try to Uh cut it down. I don't know. But he's nowhere to be found. But what's really interesting about this story, right? It's terrifying. We want to make sure she's okay. Like I said, we were there within less than a minute. When we get there, Mm -hmm. this woman had appeared from what seemed to be out of nowhere and Mm -hmm. was holding my sister on her shoulders. And what I saw was a shorter Hispanic woman. She was mm-hmm. she was quiet. I don't remember her saying anything to us. And she was just tr- kind of struggling to hold my sister up on her shoulders because she was such a small statured woman. Sure. But she was, you know, kind of alleviating that weight from my sister. The rope was entangled very tightly around her hair. Okay. And she ended up losing a lot of her hair from that accident. She had to like grow it back and everything. Um, oh, but boy. she, I think, you know, did she had less of an injury thanks to mm. this woman. Yeah. So anyway, my parents get there and they're like, you know, thank you, ma'am, so much. We've got it now. And so my dad kind of steps in to help. And as soon as my dad stepped in, this mm. woman vanished, completely Ooh. gone. And where we are situated in the neighborhood, it's not like we're right on a corner and she could have just like, whoop, like darted off. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was adrenaline losing laps yeah. as a time and her just walking away sure. and us not noticing like she right. really vanished. And the other really weird thing about all of it is, like I said, she didn't say a word to us. And then later when my sister was fine and we untangled the rope and all that kind of stuff and we're just kind of reflecting on it. Me and my parents and my sister were all like, wow, like, thank God for that woman, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for some reason, we started describing her. (laughs) I guess maybe we found subconsciously something odd about her. So I was like, yeah, like, for some reason, I started talking about how she had dark hair and blah, blah, blah. 
And my dad was like, no, what are you talking about? She was like a tall woman with light hair. Mm-hmm. And my mom said she was a redheaded woman. Like we all had vastly sure. different descriptions of her. Yeah. So it was a very strange experience. And my sister has had some other experiences where like yeah. kind of like near death or near accident experiences mm-hmm. where she should have been hurt or even like killed and she was completely fine. Um, mm-hmm. And there would be weird things where it was like something, it seems like something it has attached to her and is protecting her in life. Interesting. So, but that's like one of my favorite stories. I I love that story. And I don't have an explanation for it other than it being like some type of protective angel or something. So, yeah, yeah. I I love that, Kedra, because one of the biggest things when people associate the paranormal, what do you think about? You think ghosts trying to kill you, demons trying to eat you and kill you and take your soul. <laughs> it's all this terrible stuff, right? Yeah. But don't think about the good things. There have been people who have said like, I was walking across the street. I wasn't paying attention and this car was coming for me and, and like this force pushed me. You hear stories mm-hmm. like that, right? Or, yeah. you know, I was sleeping and, you know, all of a sudden, I don't know why I just woke up and like my house was on fire and you're like, oh, and somebody like dragged me out of bed, something. I don't know what it is to this day. So again, I think that's really interesting. And I bring this up a lot. Uh, but when I've interviewed a couple episodes, check it out. I interviewed a woman who is a practicing witch from the Netherlands. Even in their country, they think paranormal is mostly negative. Uh, yeah. There is some associated of good with it, but mostly negative. And it's funny, right? Is the similarities that you kind of get into? Because we don't, I mean, let's be honest. We don't want to be sitting there and have a show about all the nice stuff that happens. Everybody's like, okay, you want the blood and the guts and the demons coming <laughs> in, right? And the true crime, right? So right. I just think that's interesting. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I always say, though, is that, again, paranormal is the way you look at it, right? Do you, when you started getting the paranormal, did you... um were you more of a skeptic, you think? Are you still a skeptic? Or what do you think you are? I am still a skeptic. Um, yeah. It's so hard for me to try to, like, verbalize my beliefs because, like, I am ingrained to be such a logical person. And it's mm-hmm. interesting because, like, the job that I have now is very much in, like, science and healthcare. I'm a medical sure. speech pathologist. So I do a lot oh. of, like brain injury and stroke rehabilitation right, sure. and a lot of evidence-based practice and reading scientific mm-hmm. journals and stuff. So then I have my feet kind of in two worlds, I feel like, but I think that that's good. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's okay to not know or understand the world that we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's good to consider all different things, like what it could or couldn't be. And then, like I said, it's okay to not know. So yeah, yeah, like I'm a, I'm a skeptic. Um but that's not to say that like I write off people's experiences because like I told yeah. you I've had experiences I can't explain. Um yeah. I think I'm more of a skeptic in that like I'm not so quick to say oh that was for sure mm-hmm. a demon or that was for sure mm-hmm. a ghost. Yeah. 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 And that's interesting. I think most of the Guests I have, in fact, I say all the guests I have, I've had on uh, Dairyland Price, as well as most of the community out there is, you know, a skeptic. And, and, and we have to, right? We have debunking things and stuff. It, it sometimes helps you to understand because now when you don't understand something, it's really, I don't know, I don't want to say hard, but it can be hard on you. Like, why did that happen? Right? Why, why was that, you know? And then sometimes that's life. <laughs> it can be hard to build like a trust with your audience too. Yes. If you are so far on one side, far. I feel Correct. like, or at least that's been yeah. my experience listening to some podcasts. Um, yeah, yeah. One of my favorite podcasts actually that I like discovered recently this month. Um, it's called The Chilling Podcast. Okay. And it was so fascinating to me because it's about a paranormal haunting. Mm. And she's walking through this whole terrifying experience she had in this home. But 
it's like the way that I want my podcast to be. She was so well-rounded in like Mm -hmm. interviewing these different experts, like sleep experts, scientists, demonologists, Mm -hmm. um, just all these different people to give her different explanations as to what her experience could have been. And Mm -hmm. time and time again, throughout each episode, she was like, Mm -hmm. I am not going to tell you what to believe here's mm-hmm. all these different things it could be and i'm gonna let you yeah. decide and i think that that's so important Absolutely. um because everyone has different experiences and practices you know yeah so yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely <laughs> so without further ado kadra yes let's get into the spooky stuff let's do it kadra i'm gonna tell you something this terrifying real life Exorcism in Iowa, of all places, will send Ooh. shivers down your spine. Ooh. Now, I have to say this. <laughs> this episode contains explicit and extremely graphic descriptions. So if you're listening and the kids are in the car, uh, you might have them put on some headphones or listen to it later. If you're listening, and again, you might want to say the kids, say hey, you might want to take a walk on this one. So, uh, let's get spooky. All let's right. do so, I'm so excited. So, the sources, this is some of my sources. So, I always like to bring this up to my audience. So, if they want to check this out. This is my favorite source ever, Kedra. The source <laughs> is Satan Be Gone. A pamphlet done by Father Carl Vogel. <laughs> Don't you love that? <laughs> Satan Be Gone. I love it's that. It's a very intense title. <laughs> Uh, I would get that book if I was at a bookstore. I saw Satan, but I'm getting that book. I'm just, yeah. Whatever. Grabbing it. Come on. Let's hear it. It's actually <laughs> a pamphlet by Father Color Volgo in 1936. The Catholic Church approved this pamphlet. You can find it. It's hard to find. There are a little bit of things I got out of it, but it's kind of hard to find. It's not like you go into a Catholic church and there, hey, Satan, be gone. Oh, great. I grab that. Uh, <laughs> the other source is only in your state. And the last one is, uh, well, some of the other ones I used was Wikipedia Last Gasp. And then there were some other things they talked about the exorcist and how this inspired. So, and we'll get into that. How the movie, yes, that movie, the famous exorcist movie, was maybe inspired by this. So, let's get going. The terrifying story of the early exorcism. So. In 1928, one of the last, this is interesting to me too, I love history by the way, uh, sanctioned exorcisms was performed on a woman in Erling, Iowa, Emma Schmidt, sometimes called her name Anna Eklund. She was, well, it was 40 years old at the time. Uh, she had been possessed, but this possession, check this out, for 26 years of her life, Kate. That's insane. And that makes sense because I feel like a lot of these stories are with like younger women. And when you said yeah. she was 40, I was like, that's a weird time to be possessed, historically speaking. But if it started 26 years ago, that, that makes yeah. sense. So I know the timelines be a little confusing for our listeners, but basically... She had this, and I'll get into it. She's had this uh, for 26 years. It wasn't until she was 40 years old to they were like, okay, maybe we got to do something. And they had been before, and I will get into that. So this is what she suffered from. So, Kedra, how would you like to wake up to this? <clears throat> Demonic voices in your head telling you to do unspeakable things. Uh, that's not so great. Uh, at times... <laughs> And as time went on, the possession grew worse. So she would wake up every morning with demons in her head saying, kill John, kill John. And she's like, oh, okay. Or, you know, go to the church and defecate on the church. And this weird stuff, right? And she would hear that every single day. So Anna, Anna, this is, man, this is nuts. Anna was unable to enter a church, so she couldn't 
So when she would try to go to church, you got to remember, this is in the 1920s, okay? <laughs> so the normal thing to do, right, Kedra, would be, oh, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to yeah. get this out of my system, talk to the priest. She couldn't even go in. Like, she would take a step in, and immediately, like, somebody would pull in her back. She couldn't do it. Or she would get these intense pains. She couldn't do it. She also could detect blessed food. So for a while, she was not eating uh, because she would say, this is blessed. Somebody blessed this food, and she would reject it. Also, she would recoil at the touch of a blessed object. So one of the things, you know, people, she'd be near a cross, and she would like, some people would say she'd jump back and like hiss, like she and she'd jump back. Like you know, somebody had a cross around it. Yeah, it was like crazy, right? And <laughs> yeah. so it was just like all this. Now, this isn't for like, oh, she's having a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> this is constantly. So like you're walking down the street. Oh, you're having a day. And this woman's coming towards you. And you have, I don't know, a cross around your neck. And all of a sudden, she would just hiss and like, uh, and then get away from you, run away from you. And you'd, Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Have you ever seen anyone like that? Have you ever been around anyone like that where done strange things like that? Can't say that I have. No. Um, maybe my parents have because, like I said, my dad was a pastor <laughs> right. and they Absolutely. said that they experienced things like that where they were like, yeah, I, I, my dad said that he cast demons out of people before. So I'm sure he right. could tell you all kinds of crazy stories. Oh, we might have to have your data. Um, so one of the things. One of the real things with this, too, was that, again, this is the 1920s. So, yeah, people in the 20s weren't as, how do you say, forgiving as we are today. So, right. what do you know, they were casting her out. So, well, And she's a woman. Where, so, they probably just thought she And she's crazy. a woman. Thank you very much for <laughs> saying that. Yes, absolutely. And she's single, <laughs> obviously. Mm. Um, yeah, and yeah. I, she's 40, right? So she's like an old yeah. maid at this point, quote-unquote. Oh, yeah, 40, and you're not married with kids? <laughs> What's wrong with you? So th- I'm going to talk about these guys a little more in depth, but let me just give you just a brief introduction here, Kedra. So Pastor Steig, when Emma was taken to the local covenant for an exorcism, things got even stranger. And I'll get into this, so don't worry, people, if I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Um, so. His idea was to take her to, you know, let's take her to some type of coven, you know, where the nurses, uh, nurses, nuns hang out, and uh, let's take her there and see what happens. Well, you're going to find out in this story that did not work very well because things got really bad. And you get inside? Yeah, yeah, you'll find out. This is okay. crazy. <laughs> so let's. First, get to know Anna or Emma. Like I said, that might be a little confusing. I might be saying Anna and Amber. Why she had two names? People said that she was two different personalities. So in other words, schizophrenia as we know today. Mm-hmm. They did not know that. <laughs> Gotta right. remember, this is 1920s medicine. But again, she was for 26 years, like since the early 1900s, dealing with that. So it's yeah. not exactly the greatest. You know, you don't really have an emergency room, right? So everything was witchcraft back then. <laughs> absolutely. So let's get into a little bit of history. Emma Emma was born in 1882 in Marathon, Wisconsin, and received only, this is important to remember, an elementary education. So she mm-hmm. did not go to high school. She just was, I think she dropped out the sixth, fifth grade. So, okay, that will kind of understand why she's this way. Hmm. Her father, Jacob Schmidt, had a reputation as being adamantly against the church, remember this too, and as a womanizer. So, in other words, this guy's screwing around on his wife, (laughs) doesn't believe in the church. She's an elementary education. See what we're setting up here? (laughs) Yeah, not a great upbringing. Very yeah. limited experience. It gets worse. It is right. also alleged that Jacob was an alcoholic and may have sexually abused Anna or Emma 
but no information has been uncovered about that. But people believe wow. he was this womanizing, incest, alcoholic. I mean, talk about the worst father. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Sounds like a piece of shit. Can we cuss on this yeah, podcast? Exactly. Yes, we can. <laughs> Please cool. do. I welcome back. Um, so you go, where's the mob? <laughs> What's going on here? So this is really, this is, it's worse. You think you have a bad life. The best estimate is that her mother must have died in the early 1890s prior to 1908, in other words, uh, that Emma was born. So her mom's dad, let me recap, her mom's dad, her dad's a woman, a womanizing, alcoholic, incest, piece of shit. And she grew up in that, okay? But here's the thing that started the whole ball rolling. Anna, again, Emma, was described as being a religiously devout Catholic. So you combine all that into this. You can kind of see how this woman believed she was possessed and how she had severe mental problems, okay, nope. that we recognize today. But back then, she's a witch, right? She's a there's a demon. <laughs> and that's crazy. So, here we go, people. <laughs> Let's start the dive into the, into the spookiness and creepiness. So, in 1896, at age 14, Emma began experiencing severe issues with attending church and receiving communion. She began describing compulsions to smash holy water fonts or to harm priest. She also began to suffer from signs of depression as well as unhindered sexual thoughts. She believed, this is what she believed, that she was going insane. This sure. also could be attributed to losing her mother, her father being a piece of shit, and that, you know, again, this is small town Wisconsin Small town Iowa in the early, uh, in the 18, 1900s, okay? We're not the most forgiving bunch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take right? your word for it. <laughs> yes. Trust me, we are not. Even today, there are things where I live in a small town where you're like, really, buddy? It's the 21st century. You know, what's, what's going on, right? You know, come yeah. on. Get past that. <laughs> so. It gets, you think that was weird? It gets really weird. Over the mm -hmm. next few years, it is alleged that in 1908, Emma's aunt Minna, who may have also been her father's mistress, gross, or may have <laughs> begin, began, excuse me, the process of cursing Anna by placing magical herbs in Emma's food. And on top of it, we just said witch like a million times. People thought she was a witch. Again, there is no supporting evidence. I looked around to this allegation uh, about her aunt having uh, relations with her, <laughs> with Emma's dad, Anna's dad, and poisoning uh, Anna. Uh, but I've just talked about the last five, ten minutes about her life. I don't know about you, Kadra, but that's kind of like, what do you think? What a what a life, right? That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard the story of the Bell Witch? Yes. There's a similar theory in the Bell Witch, which I literally just recorded an episode about today. So it's like very oh, nice. fresh in my mind. But this sounds yeah, yeah. a lot so far like the story of the Bell Witch with the daughter Betsy that was tormented by the entity in their in their home right and right for my age too yeah and for my spooky friends out there uh i know it's fresh in your mind so please fill in the gaps for me uh, Adrian. uh sure. the bell witch was one of the most i don't know i i would say uh most documented cases of a actual witch Possessing a people, uh, causing problems for this gentleman, this farmer, 
Um, there's, there's, it's a great story. But at the end of it, what people think that is the father made this all up and he was having ancestral relations with his daughter. Am I off on that? Can you, can no, you you're not. Okay. Yeah, no, you're not. There's a lot of theories around it. Yeah. But one of the theories is that Betsy, to compensate for the horrific trauma that she was experiencing mm-hmm. at the hands of her father, um, yeah. kind of like one of two things, either like made up this entity in her mind and like she was this yeah. master ventriloquist and wow, making all yeah. these disembodied yeah. voices that they yeah. were hearing in the house. Or mm-hmm. two, she created some type of like tulpa to protect oh, right. her and it was created to like protect her from John allegedly molesting her, her father. Not me. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's I interesting. I don't relate to this guy. So when you were describing Emma in your story and she's sitting in the church and she starts having these thoughts and hearing these voices, it sounds to me like this might have been around the time she was maybe allegedly starting to be molested by her father, perhaps, since you Mm -hmm. said that's a theory in, in your story. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get right into that. So while many of Emma's complaints could possibly have been symptoms of hallucination, a pure historical case, nervous spells. Uh, So back then, nervous spells, what we call today is anxiety, right? So Mm -hmm. when people go into hysteria, well, today it's anxiety. Uh, And my daughter suffers from severe anxiety. And if it was back then, they would lock my daughter up and probably drown her or some crap like that. So I'm glad I live where I live. Um, so this is, this is again, none of the doctors could find issues, Kedra. In fact, one leading specialist at the time asserted that she didn't have the least sign of nervous nervousness and that she was normal in the fullest sense. Who is this guy? <laughs> Wait a minute. So let me, let me recap. not a psychiatrist. I hope this was just like a general family doctor, yeah. you know, that didn't know yeah. what the this hell was he was general talking about. Family <laughs> Correct. Correct. And like, wait a minute. Uh, she wants to do weird things with priests. She can't go into church. She can't. Oh, boy. Oh, she's normal. That's <laughs> <laughs> completely normal. Really? Okay. So, but then again, remember, in 1908, medical science had only the most primitive understanding of mental issues. Given today's understanding, it is possible that Emma's case obviously would have been treated dramatically differently. So, let's get into the exorcist. All this right. is crazy. Okay? And if any of this is half true, Kedra, it's like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so at some point, Anna's local church became involved, and I'm going to butcher this because I'm a mushmouth. Uh, Father Theophilus Reisinger, a Capuchin, Capuchin monk working in St. Anthony's, was considered to be an exorcist in exorcism and was the few Americans with experience in that area. So this was not like, a big, like, there were only a handful of people could do exorcism. Okay. Sure. So you had, you had, your choices were limited. So yeah. one of the you've key You've got your components... one sheriff in the town and you've got Correct. one priest that can do exorcisms. Yep. You're like, I, uh, what am I going to do? Um, <laughs> so one of the key components in determining an existence of a demonic entity and position is the ability of the possessed to understand languages that they should not know. In Satan Be Gone, Vogel, speaking on behalf, behalf excuse me, of Reisinger, states the exorcism concluded that Eklund, Anna, or Emma, was only, again, a basic elementary education. So she could not understand or speak Latin, mm-hmm. nor... Could she other speak German? And I'll get to that, why that's important. So while she would react negatively to prayers and rites in Latin, when controversial 
kind of conversational Latin, excuse me, was used, there would be no reaction. So she could understand prayers in Latin. So someone would say, she'd be like, ah. But then somebody would talk to her Latin. She would be like, okay. <laughs> so gotcha. Okay. So she understood right? it in like a religious relevance. In a religion. So she would understand all the religion of them in Latin. So when they're when they're blessing her in Latin, when they're performing exorcism rites in Latin, she totally understood that. But then when the priest would speak to her in a conversational tone in Latin, yeah. she had no clue what to say. Interesting. Uh, so here's the thing. <laughs> One of the things, remember I told you this has been going on for 26 years? They hadn't done anything in that time. So Anna or Emma was possessed. She felt for all that time and no one did nothing. Mm-hmm. So talk about bearing the lead. That's one thing <laughs> is she thought she should have had an exorcism for, for when she was uh, younger. And everybody was like, eh, she's normal. Remember when I just said the doctor said she's normal. Right. So, this is when we get into her in August of 1928. Emma, she thought, or Anna, thought she got rid of it for a little while. Okay. But this poor girl, she was mm-hmm. repossessed. Come on, give this poor woman a break. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> She's been through enough. So, I know. So she had just, uh, I should just mention this as a side note. For a while, she felt normal, um, but not really. You know, she still had that. And then this came back big time. So at some point prior to August of 1928, Anna or Emma Eklund again experienced symptoms of possession. She claimed to constantly have sexual thoughts and believed she also was tormented, tormented by the spirits of her father and Aunt Minna. Now, the, her father and Aunt Minna, by the way, uh, had passed on. Um, so, you know, she was okay. by herself. Like okay. I said, she's 40 right now, or near 40. Um, so she just thought she would, like, hear her father, like, saying all these sexual perverted thoughts to her, and Aunt Minna cursing her, and thinking about her mom. So it's a lot, right? This mm-hmm. girl's got a lot going on. So Emma's neurosis or symptoms left her unable to act normally. Well, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Emma, Emma again asked her Reisinger, who is the priest, now stationed in Marathon, Wisconsin. He, again, he's the only guy in town. You can't go anywhere. Take that out. So He's still alive. <laughs> he's still alive. Thank right? goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. So after failing to be able to help Emma through normal means, I don't know what that means, Kydra, Kydra, uh, I, I just like, what is normal means? <laughs> um, <laughs> they had concluded that she had been repossessed. What a bum. <laughs> so since the 19, is now 1928, so let me take a pause here and take a beat. It is now 1928. But since the 1908 exorcism, she did have an exorcism, but it wasn't wasn't really an exorcism. It was more like, okay, bless you, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you're good now. Let's see a doctor. Oh, you're normal. Okay. <laughs> so. A very chill is, hang. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. It was just like, eh, whatever. By the way, they would use uh, menopause is a big thing. So when a woman had menopause, uh, they would use that. Priests and doctors would be like, oh, she's possessed or she's got something wrong. And she's just going through her monthly cycle. Uh, that's another <laughs> thing they mentioned in there. So great. <laughs> great, right? So they didn't understand that. So like when, you know, I have a daughter and I'm married, my wife. You know, when she was going through her things and now my daughter's going through her things and I'd be like, I'll come home from work. Hey, honey, what's going on? And my daughter was, ah, I'd be like, ah, <laughs> you know, now I know what's going on. 
But back in the 1920s, I'd be like, my daughter's possessed. Right? And I'd had to get, get I'm sure your daughter would, would love that now, John, if you accuse her of being possessed each time it was her time of the month. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Yeah, get a priest. Uh, it is believed in 1928, and this is why this is the right guy, uh, Reisinger, and also, uh, he, I'll talk about a friend he brings along, but Reisinger had already performed 19 exorcisms. Um, so again, this is, hey, should know what he's doing, right? There's no problem. Yeah, and well seasoned. a lot of those... Like I said, we're on Anna or Emma. And when I mean exorcism, I'm not talking about the full thing I'm going to get into. It, again, it was more like, bless you, child, and blah, 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 blah. Okay, you're good. Let's go. So when he was rising, was on a missionary trip to visit his own old friend, Reverend Joseph Steiger, at the St. Joseph Parish in Illinois, he asked Steiger for permission to have a girl brought to the parish in early Iowa, or excuse me, in Iowa, not Illinois, to have an exorcism performed. So he goes to his buddy, in other words, uh, and says, hey, can, can I bring this, this girl, and can we perform an exorcism at your place? <laughs> so Reisinger says, you know, to Steiger, hey, let's bring this girl over there. You're going to find out that was a bad idea. <laughs> okay? So, Reisinger had selected early in Iowa for a number of reasons. In the 1920s, as of today, there are only a few people who live there in the region. They have this big Catholic church. And even though, uh, this is interesting to me, so the roads were not so great, so they couldn't take uh, Anna or Emma, whatever you say, by car. So you couldn't throw her in the backseat of your car and drive her to early in Iowa. But they had a railroad. So they took this girl, <laughs> this woman who is obviously suffering from things, and put her on a public train. Oh. Perfect. Uh, I think that, what do you think of that? How would you like to be in the train and to see this woman in the back going, blah, and you're like, uh, okay. It'd be pretty terrifying. <laughs> Very <laughs> terrifying. So. One of the things that they have is this uh, nuns, you know, covenant, uh, where a uh, convent, excuse me. And it was what they liked about it, it was private, it was less intrusive. So that was smart, right? She was like, okay, so let's take her to this place where no one can see her and we do this in private and, you know, help this poor woman. Okay, that makes sense, right? Now, if you're thinking, I'm going to do a ghost investigation at this convent, no. They tore it down. So you cannot. <laughs> and they tore it down in the mid-1990s. So it is not there. It's probably like a Chuck E. Cheese or something. Uh, <laughs> oh, that, that could be haunted. That could be haunted. We don't could know. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> so, Reisinger, the main priest in this story, believed that the seclusion, like I said, would allow it to be done in secrecy. Anna's anonymity would be preserved, so she had it private and keep away from, you know, all these things, right? That's a great idea, like I said. So, <clears throat> on 18th of August, 1921, Anna arrived by train, like I said, and the entire process was done in extreme secrecy, so nobody in the town of early Iowa knew this. They basically snuck her in and everything, and, uh, they made the nuns aware of the situation, but anybody else, no. So I think that's pretty cool they did that, right? So yeah, people were in a you small would think town. it would be like a big public spectacle. Yeah. Yes. So it's good that they kept it private. Yes. So this, where it gets, I don't know what to believe, but if this happened, this is crazy. So. All right, I'm ready. In the exorcism, at least one instance during it, Emma levitated off her bed to the horror of the nuns and priests present. Her body was so swollen and distorted during the possession that the nuns thought she would burst. So she was swelling to wow. a point 
where they thought she was going to explode. And it's according like the to Blueberry it, and Willy Wonka. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's like even more terrifying than you could imagine. <laughs> so imagine this woman levitating off the bed. She's her head is swelling. And they said when her head swelled, her eyes bulged out of her head. So Ugh. her eyes just bulged out. I, how about you? I'm booking it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I wouldn't have even gone to the convent. Oh, my <laughs> God. So the other thing, too, she began speaking in Latin and other languages. Again, she didn't know this. She's an elementary right. education. So when the priest would speak to her, remember I said in a conversational form, they would speak, and she, I don't know what's going on. But at this time, she did know. So when the priests were talking off to the side, she would hear them, and then say, like if they were saying, "Oh man, I don't know what we're gonna do," she'd be like, oh, "I'm taking over the demon." But she would say it in Latin, and they right. would be like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. Okay. <laughs> in other instance, oh boy, Emma escaped the bed she was being confined to and broke free of the guards before she threw, flew through the air and landed above the door where she clinged to the wall in an unearthly and terrifying manner. So, in other words, she jumped up, clinged to the wall, and was, like, walking on the wall. And people were like, holy shit. Classic. <laughs> a movie. Yes, and we've all seen that in the horror movie where yeah. the person is like, and they turn their neck and they rock on the wall <laughs> and you're like, holy shit. Uh, that's what happened. That's what everybody says happened. And these are not, let me let me make clear. These are not me and you. These are priests, nuns. Why would they make this up? Like, why would right. you, you know, it's kind of dumb, in my opinion. Yeah. The other thing she did was, there was a relic that she sensed in the pocket of one of the priest's robe, and she became extremely angry at the priest. So she, like a priest walked in because he was going to play, you know, like, ah, I got her, I got this relic, and I'm going to take it out, and I'm going to get her. She was like, I see it. I see that relic. Don't bring it near me. And it was in his pocket. So there was no way she could see it. But she right. sensed it, and she knew there was something in there. Mm. Okay, so hopefully you haven't eaten lunch, <laughs> or about to eat lunch. Throughout I ate a few the... hours ago, so I think okay, we're, okay. we're good. We're we're good. Also, um, like I said, I work in the medical field, so I've seen oh, a lot of that. a lot of things. Yeah. Okay, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Obviously, uh, throughout the possession, a horrible stench was in the room. And let's just say <clears throat> Emma didn't use the bathroom. Uh, she liked to vomit and defecate. Get this. Dozens of times a day. She would, according to them, sh she would vomit all over the place. And I'll get into this where, <laughs> oh my God. This fall green vomit by the bucket load. Yeah. <laughs> and she would take sometimes take her uh, shit for lack of a better word and sure. wipe it all over herself and wipe it on the walls and she would shit in the corner she would shit in the bed she would throw the shit at people uh yeah <laughs> I'm sure it smelled awesome in there mm, delicious uh <laughs> she would also have voices that no human could produce emanating from her body and she would scream at the priest and nun now get this what i thought was a funny sidelight even though this is too funny at least i don't think it's funny if i was there the, the nuns had to clean this up so the yeah. nuns would come in and would start cleaning stuff up and then she would vomit and then they'd clean it up this happened dozens of times a day so think about when you've been really sick, right? And you probably got sick two or three times and your boyfriend, your husband, or whoever cleaned it up. Imagine this happening. 
dozens of times a day. <laughs> yeah, that's disgusting. I don't so, even know what types of like cleaning agents they would have used back then either, you know? Yeah, they they don't have Mr. Clean. No. <laughs> they don't have Lysol. <laughs> yeah, no. there's no Clorox. <laughs> there's no Clorox. Well, there's probably a bleach or a lime, but that's about it. You know? Yeah, so, wow. So eventually the priest performing the exorcism identified four different spirits possessing her. One was the spirit of her dead father, Jacob Great, who sexually abused Emma and placed a curse on her. Uh, I don't know why he did that. Uh, (laughs) One was the spirit of her, to make it worse, one was the spirit of her dead aunt, Mina, which we already talked about it. The other thing I forgot to say was not only was Aunt Mina a notorious witch, but also People think she murdered a child in one of her sacrifices as a witch. Yeah, great. Whoa. Yeah. Another was a spirit named Judas Isogrot, or Ice Carrot, or whatever his name is. I can't <laughs> pronounce it. Let's call him Judas, who is believed to be the patron demon of suicide. So, and the last was a demon, the big one, Beelzebub. Or Satan. So yeah, so she has her witch aunt, her holy shit, crappy dad, the patron basically saint of suicide, and let's top it off, Satan. <laughs> well, I I think her dad was the one making her shit everywhere because he was full of shit. Yeah, there you, you go. Know? <laughs> I'm trying to like, think, like, who was responsible for what yeah, yeah. here? <laughs> Absolutely. So, when asked, hey, what the demons wanted, the demons replied that they wanted Emma to hang herself so she would go to hell. So, when Reisinger determined to know who the lead demon was, he was told, Satan, of course, Beelzebub. It was speaking as Beelzebub that the demon claimed he did not want he did not want her own father's curse in her. So he wanted to like take over the whole body. He was like, "Hey, get the father out of there. This is mine." When Reisinger challenged uh, him further, the demon responded, "Leave me in peace for once." So Satan just wanted to be left alone. <laughs> just take over the body. Stop the exorcism. Come on. So the response prompted the exorcist again to ask if Anna's father was part of the position. Mm-hmm. The demon allegedly responded, What a foolish question. He has been with us forever since he has been damned. So, okay. <laughs> okay. And other times, <laughs> The demon claimed to be, like I said, the Apostle Judas, and that Judas was there to bring despair again so she would commit a suicide and hang herself and again, must go to hell. They tried, you know, she said, give me a rope. I, I want to kill myself. Give me a rope. I want to kill myself repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And another time, the demon claimed to have forced, and so the demon. Anna's father, Jacob, he says he claimed to have tried to force Anna into this, and he tried to have Anna, you know, have sex with him, and that the reason she didn't do it, that's why he's cursing her. Does that make sense? So this dickhead (laughs) is like saying, hey, she didn't have sex with me, so I'm cursing her. That's why I'm in here. Like, dude. Wow. How original. There <laughs> it go, right? Right. So, Move on. Oh, my God. So, again, the, the other demon, like I said, Aunt Mina was in there. People claim that she had murdered three children while she lived. So, I wasn't, I, I totally forgot. She hadn't done one. They claim she did three. Yeah. So, she would, Just so these demons that were hacked in there. Yeah, throw that in there. So all these demons were claiming they had done all this stuff through Anna. So imagine okay. you're a priest, you're sitting there having this conversation 
And the scumbag dad's going, well, I tried to have sex with her and she didn't want me. So I'm cursing her. And then Aunt Nina comes and goes, well, I didn't kill one child. I killed three child. What are you talking about? (laughs) You're like, yeah, that's (laughs) And then all through the exorcism, this is kind of weird. I'm not sure what they meant by this. So help me out, uh, uh, Kedra. Emma suffered from physical distortions that would radically alter her appearance. Her face would become twisted. Her body would contort in impossible ways. And at times, her pale death-like and emancipated head, often they assume, this is really weird, an inverted water pitcher and became glowing red as glowing embers her huh. eyes and lips would swell to huge proportions, and Anna's stomach would become hard as stone. I don't know, me when you ask your dad about that, because <laughs> in wow, other words, yeah. her her head would turn like an inverted pitcher. So you huh. know, take any pitcher you have and turn it upside down. That's what her head looked like. Her eyes and lips, like I said, would swell to these crazy uh, proportions. Uh, her face would distort and become twisted. Her body would contort. Yeah. Wow. Right? I mean, obviously, I've heard of, like, in possessions, people's faces making these distortions and kind of taking on the form of someone else. But I don't think I've right. ever heard of it, of people being possessed, taking on the form of other objects. That's really interesting. But for some mm. reason, that's making me think of, like, the burning bush story in the Bible mm. because of, like, the fire, mm-hmm. you know? But mm-hmm. that's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. So, also during the exorcism, Emma seemed to react particularly strongly to certain elements, holy water, and would, would shout, away, away with it, away with that abominable dirt. Oh, that burns, that scorches. So, they'd throw holy water on it, and she'd be a get it away, that abominable dirt. During, <laughs> during what exorcism, this is all happening within a certain time, by the way. And you're just dealing with it. During one exorcism, Father Steiger placed a small relic of a little flower of a child, Jesus, in a small pike and that he carried in his pocket. It's a little box. The okay. demon screamed in Anna, away, away with that, away with the relic of that little flower, away with that weathercock. Okay. <laughs> Not sure what that is, but all right. Later, the demon threatened Steiger to withdraw permission for the exorcism. It was allegedly said he would learn. He will learn to know his better. Lucifer is on his track, so Satan is on his track, and will make the kettle hot and heavy for him. And then she would laugh. <laughs> Just wait until the end of the week when Friday comes. Then, then the following Friday. Steiger received a call from a local farmer with a critically ill mother needing last sacrament. While driving to the home, remember, he just cursed him, you're going to be in some kettle. I guess he missed his car. But driving to his home, this is he's about to cross a bridge over a ravine. A dark black cloud appeared, and he was blinded. As a result, Steiger crossed crashed into the railing of the bridge while the car was completely destroyed other than a few cuts and frayed nerves Steiger was okay so like I said when they're talking he says Lucifer is on your tracks and it's going to make the kettle hot and heavy and then you know basically saying you know something bad is going to happen to you right and that's what happened that's what happened And, and again this is the priest saying this. So this isn't like you and me. And like just this dark black cloud appeared out of nowhere and he smashed up his car. So you're probably saying, how long is this exorcism taking? Well, yeah. After, after three weeks, <laughs> yes, three weeks, almost a month. That was an unusually long exorcism. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is the good news. There's a good, there's a happy ending. Emma broke free from the demon's grip. Her first words were reportedly, praise be to Jesus Christ. 
And as soon as she said this, the nuns broke down in tears and everyone rejoiced. So this had taken three weeks of nothing but defecation. Let me just re- recap really quick. Nothing but defecation, vomiting, uh, Satan <laughs> saying all these things, her trying to escape, her walking on walls, her like uh, seeing like relics and stuff and screaming, her well, screaming. <laughs> oh, by the way, she never Rolling ate anything. Up to the, like a blueberry size. Well, it's a blueberry. Thank you. Uh, eyes bulging out. By the way, she didn't eat anything in this three weeks. They had to force food down her just to keep Jeez. her alive. Yeah. They, she, she couldn't eat it. She'd throw it up. Yeah. They said and, she was emaciated. Correct. So she, anyway, so you're probably saying, oh, this poor woman. Is she okay? Well, she's dead now, obviously. <laughs> but, <laughs> so I guess she's okay. <laughs> Emma lived out the rest of her years in relatively peaceful and devout manner and never complained about her symptoms again. The priest who performed the early exorcism again wrote a book, Begone Satan. It's actually a pamphlet, which he retold his account in the exorcism later. There's some books out there you can get if you're really interested. I'll put some links to it so you can find it. No, here's the thing. You know the movie The Exorcism, right? Have you ever seen that one? Of course. Supposedly, this was the story that inspired the novel The Exorcism and the legendary movie that would go on to scare millions of people decades to come. Now, there's some debate about that. There's some debates. I I read some things where they said, no, this isn't it. And I'm like, if this isn't it, <laughs> I don't know what is. Yeah. Everything in the exorcism, I just rewatched again and because I, I wanted to do this before I got on here. I'm okay. like, okay, it's a girl. She's freaking out. <laughs> She's fucking <laughs> some bobbit crap and levitating. Where else did they get this? There's another one? So I looked around and people say, yeah, there's some things where a young boy had the same thing. But it, Come on, people. It's it's still, this had to have some, you know, process of helping inspire something, especially the exorcist. So, okay. So, what do you think? Do you think this is true? I like to ask this all my guests. Well, do you believe this is true? Do you believe parts of this is true? What do you think, Katie? I mean, it's hard to say because, like, I haven't read the writings, obviously, but who knows? Like, let's say if, like, if this did happen, I feel like there's no other explanation for it other than it being a possession because specifically because of the um, languages that she was able to, to speak and like the knowledge that she was suddenly able to take on and kind of shifting into these different characters and whatnot. Um, And also it seems like, like her contorting and turning into these different things. It's such specific and very strange things that Mm -hmm. she was shifting into. Like you'd have to have Mm -hmm. a pretty crazy imagination to make those things up. Right. Right. So is that a yes or a maybe? I'm struggling. It's we'll go with maybe. And that's just, that's (laughs) my, that's me as a person. I like to sit in the middle and think it is, you know, it's certainly possible. Yeah, skeptical. It it to me is there's been a lot of uh, I'm trying to think of the case in the Cecil Hotel, Lisa Lamb, where they thought she's possessed. It's a story basically of this woman. Yeah, I'm familiar. Who, uh, yeah, well, two my against spooky friends. This woman was in the Cecil Hotel. Look up the Cecil Hotel. Very notorious. Had serial killers live there. Mm-hmm. Crazy hotel. Anyway, she was found in the 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 tanks, the water tanks. But when they found out she was off her medication and she had schizophrenia and she had all these other issues going for her, um, it's kind of like, oh, okay, kind of get that. And it seems very similar to this. They had not, they didn't know she's schizophrenic. They didn't know she had maybe multiple personality disorders. She had whatever, right? right? Yeah. And she's super religious. 
She's super, uh, you know, being uneducated doesn't necessarily mean you're dumb, but it doesn't mean that you maybe understand a little bit more about certain things that happen in this world. Um, you know, because she, maybe she hasn't you know, gone to university or whatever to study more of that theology and other things to understand, again, how certain religions practice and everything like that. So oh, I'm on, so I'm going to do, I'm going to do a weird thing. I'm going to give this about 45%. I'm going to do a percent. <laughs> I'm going to say about 45% true that there was obviously something wrong with this woman. Obviously something's going on. And whether it was demon possession, maybe. Um, but we do know it was some type of mental illness. And I'm glad that yeah. she eventually got the help she needed. So, yeah. Great. Awesome. So great. thank you so much. <laughs> this was awesome. I had a blast. absolutely it was so much fun and yeah thank you for doing my first remote recording with me having me on i love your podcast and yeah i can't wait to hear the episode (laughs) same here same here so um this episode will drop actually next week i got an episode before this so we'll drop next week just to let you know i dropped them on sunday afternoons uh but uh, please people do all my do all my friends and my little covenant or the convent, whatever you want to call it. Uh, perplexity, mystery, check it out. Pedro does an amazing job. You will love it. Uh, I love it. So please check it out. And now we say two things before we end things up. We say, say hi to your ghost. So hello, ghost. Hello. <laughs> and stay spooky. So thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you.